0: friends and listeners this is Anna East Eden you're listening to your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews Hollywood and beyond with your host Stephen Brittingham thank you for listening and enjoy the show hi Stephen this is Emily Bratcher calling you hi Stephen it's Melissa Anderson calling
1: Mr. Brittingham this is Bill Duke how are you sir
0: Stephen, this is Patrick Duffy.
2: Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham. Your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. For more guest and show news, please visit the all-new website by going to HollywoodBeyond.net.
0: Hi, this is Carrie Mitchum. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. You can contact host Stephen Brittingham anytime by email. Send your thoughts or feedback to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. And now, here's your host, Stephen Brittingham.
2: Hi, friends and listeners. Welcome to your home for meaningful interviews, Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. Welcome to another episode, everyone. I am your host actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Coming to you from outside of downtown Cincinnati. I hope this finds all of you doing exceptionally well and getting ready for the summer. Thanks so much for listening. My guest today is actor Dennis Mallon. Dennis has a very interesting artistic journey Perhaps you are finding yourself longing to try a different career path. This is exactly the scenario Dennis found himself in years ago as a CEO of a technology firm, which he vacated to pursue a path in acting and artistic projects. We will find out what Dennis has learned along the way, discuss some of his impressive credits, including appearances in Martin Scorsese's masterpiece, The Irishman, 1998's Godzilla, and The Devil's Advocate. My pleasure to have him visiting the podcast today. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond, Dennis. Nice to have you here.
0: Steven, thank you so much, sir. I'm excited to be here today and uh, just looking forward to it. Thank you for such a great introduction.
2: You are most welcome. It's so nice to be speaking with you as well. Uh, Welcome, and thanks so much for this wonderful opportunity to learn more about you. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, my pleasure, sir. My pleasure.
2: Where are you joining me from today, Dennis?
0: So I am in Florida. I live in central Florida uh, with my fiancé, two dogs, two cats, and an African gray parrot named Cleo.
1: Uh, wow! I'm down in
0: Highlands County. I'm down in Highlands County, and uh, what what I love about it, Stephen, it, it is central to the entire state of Florida. So day to day, I'm either at an airport flying somewhere. I'm in Orlando. I'm in Tampa. <laughs> uh, I'm in Miami. So everything is so close, and I'm really right there, you know. But just just having just having a really good time in Florida.
2: I'm glad to hear it. You know, Dennis, my favorite vacation spot in the world, actually one of my favorite spots, period, is on the Gulf Coast of Florida, uh, between Destin all the way down to uh, Seaside and Seagrove Beach. That that section oh, yeah. is just gorgeous. White sand, uh-huh. dolphins, it's beautiful.
0: Well, you know, it's it's funny, Stephen, before, before I came down here, before I relocated, I, I was living... Living in New Jersey, New Jersey, great beaches. lived in Manhattan. And um, I always came down here when I went on vacation. I went to the West Coast and went to Marco Island. And I had family over in Boca Raton. So I've got both coasts covered. And I just kind of went back and forth when visiting, visiting. And I'm down here four or five times a year. And I'm down here, it'll be nine years this, uh, this August. And um, I said, you know, what am I doing? I can work from anywhere, you know, they, they'll fly me around, they'll do whatever. Uh, the Florida movie scene, there's a lot going on down here. I love the weather, there's no sales tax, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> what am I doing? So, you know, I really made, you know, an educated, you know, thoughtful uh, decision before I came down. And I'm just, I'm I'm loving it. I, I really am. I'm loving it down here. Cincinnati, though, is gorgeous, too. Cincinnati is a, a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city. It
2: sure is. I had an
0: audition pre-COVID to be a, uh, like, like a, for a PBS show. Uh, it was called Masonic Masterpieces. And the audition was actually in regards to the Cincinnati Masonic Hall, which is historic. So, you know, it's it just, it's, it's funny how, how and where your path will take you. You just never know.
2: You just never know. And thank you so much. You know, Cincinnati is uh, definitely a beautiful city. There's a lot more to it than folks who have not visited before may imagine. Such a, a lot of hills, and then uh, of course you've got the um, you've got all the the water uh, surrounding the city. Uh, very vibrant city, and a city that really appreciates the arts very much. So thank you for the kind words. And you know what? Um, if we could backtrack to where you are actually from, Dennis, I would love for sure. you to share with the listeners where you are from, and what was it like um, um, growing up uh, where you come from?
0: Sure. Well, I was, uh, I was born in Newark, New Jersey, uh, raised in Kearney, New Jersey, Hudson County, New Jersey, uh, blue-collar town, middle-class town. My uh, my father spent his entire professional life at the utility company PSENG, and I was uh, Stephen. I was a straight C student, you know, happy-go-lucky type of kid. Not overly popular, not overly nerdy. Kind of right down middle middle of the road. Um, wasn't wasn't a buster. I was liked by liked by uh, my teachers. I was. I had friends. I didn't have friends. Just kind of the the. Typical middle class American uh, experience. I look at it really the underachiever. <laughs> that's been <laughs> that's been very that's been very blessed in many different aspects. You know, my mother was always the entrepreneur, so I've kind of got that restless spirit from her. And my father was the stability. Now I'm the oldest of three kids. My sister, two years, four days younger than me, a fellow Scorpio, Kellyanne. Uh, was 4.0 from birth. So we had that dichotomy and my brother Brian is eight years younger than me. So, you know, anything more than four or five years, you've got first, firstborn tendencies and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, I grew up on a typical street. We lived on Elm street and yes, it was a nightmare. We, (laughs) um, I, I played hockey pretty much from birth. My father played hockey you know, I played, I played stickball on the street. We played football on the street. Really had kind of a, a good mix of friends, you know, guys and gals growing up, um, which, which, you know, you, you kind of keep in touch with. And, you know, the benefits of social media, benefits of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatnot, you're able to keep in touch with a lot of different people. And I'm finding out that. You know, I don't consider I've got a lot of close friends, but I've got a lot of acquaintances that follow me, are supporting me, and it really, it it does mean a lot, you know, when you have people you haven't heard or seen in 20, 30 years really supporting you and knowing you've made an impact on their life along along the journey. Now, you know, my social media manager says I've got a, a pretty strong social media game, and when I'm when I'm out there doing a, a live or doing a podcast show or, or doing doing whatever, I'm always extending myself to help anybody with anything and everything. And I've always had that spirit, kind of throughout my corporate career and uh, just different endeavors that I've uh, that I've been a part of. And, and I really, I think I get that. I definitely get that from my father. I'm Dennis Jr. and my dad was always there to lend a hand. Um, I, I remember being at a uh, fast food restaurant. I might have been 10 years old. And this uh, this girl at the table next to us started choking. <laughs> well, who do you think jumped into action? My father.
1: <laughs> mm. So,
0: you know, it's, it's interesting seeing my Superman kind of jump in with uh, different aspects of my life. He was a uh, utility worker, so he was an electrician just from... You know, his trade, he's always helping people with with, uh, their electricity, wiring. He's just always doing stuff. And I just learned a lot of lessons from him throughout life. Mom being the entrepreneur and never sitting still, it's kind of like at my age, I look at it, I've got adult ADD. (laughs) So it's kind of tough for me to sit still. I'm always looking for the next. You know, when I mean the next, it's like, okay, great. You just finished up a big project, Dennis. What's next? Because I've learned that there's really only so much I can control. You know, and what is that, Steven? I can control my work ethic. I can control my attitude. Outside of that, unless I'm producing, unless I'm distributing, I really don't have much control. So I'm always looking for the next. And you never know, in this business, you never know what's going to break. You never know what's going to hit. So loving what I do, I try to keep myself going 28-7. I really just want to keep working, keep pushing forward, you know?
2: Well, thank you for sharing all of that, Dennis. I really appreciate that. Wow, that was uh, very informative and (laughs) enlightening. And uh, I tip my hat uh, towards you for being willing to uh, be there for others who may need advice or suggestions or little guidance, um, you know, that, that is wonderful. You know, you know, artists helping other artists is always a beautiful thing to see.
0: Thank you. Well, I've, I've had a lot of people help me in my journey. And uh, you know, if I can give back any which way, I'm more than happy to, honestly, Steven, it just, even people listening, You know, to your show, if I can ever help anybody with anything, I'm all over social media. I'm easy to find. Please reach out and, um, you know, go for there. I listened to a a business podcast, I guess about a year ago, and it was a founder from Walmart. I I forget the gentleman's name. And he actually put his cell phone number out there. And I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, this guy's a billionaire, and he's putting out his cell phone. Okay, it might not be his personal carry-everyday cell phone but he's still extending himself. So here's a man that's been there, done that a hundred times over. Who am I not to make myself available? You know?
2: Absolutely. And I think that that creates such positive vibes when someone at the top is reaching down to those maybe working for him or underneath him, so to speak, and saying, Hey, we're all in this together. I mean, it benefits everybody involved.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, without a doubt.
2: Which is how I've always viewed background and extra work, for example, because I tell you what, you know this, Dennis, you of all people know this, having been on numerous sets with all sorts of directors and and some of the most uh, iconic actors in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's no um, overstatement there. You know that a smart, wise director at least I believe this, values the background and extra. Because if you are flipping about it, it could come back to haunt you when it comes time to edit, if you know what I mean.
0: with Without a doubt. And I've got I've got a story for you with that, if I may, Stephen.
2: Absolutely. You know, Thank you.
0: My, my first SAG feature, okay, was Devil's Advocate. Al Pacino, Craig T. Nelson, Keanu Reeves. Okay, my first, my my first big, big, okay? Now, I'm an extra, and I'm just a happy-go-lucky, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid, okay, 25, six years ago. So, I get picked out of the crowd, and I'm sat in the uh, downtown New York City courtroom. And I'm sitting there, and I've got Keanu Reeves, literally, and uh, a row ahead of me to the right. I've got Craig T. Nelson, uh, two people next to me, and who walks in? and sits right behind me to my right, Al Pacino. Now, it's pretty noisy on a set. You've been on sets. It's pretty noisy. You could hear a pin drop when Mr. Pacino walked in. Okay? Now, what don't you do as an extra? You don't go, oh, oh my God. You you just, you play cool. You're a professional. Okay? So, Taylor Hackford was the director of Devil's Advocate. Big, burly, Viking-looking guy. Big mane of hair. Uh, married to Helen Mirren. I don't know if they're still married. They don't call me anymore. Be that as it may. So (laughs) Taylor Hackford calls action. Now, as an extra, you have your own intentions, right? I'm in a big courtroom scene. I've got my intentions. I'm I'm, I'm caught up in the testimony. I'm caught up in, in the drama of the courtroom scene. He goes, cut you, you out. Two extras sitting to my left was sitting there stoic, stoic, not moving, no expression, nothing. He kicked them out. Now, this is my first everything. I'm, I'm looking at him going, oh, and he goes, no, no, you're fine. <laughs> Keep it up. And I, and I, you know, I looked over to my, my right shoulder, not looking to see Mr. Pacino, but I make eye contact with Mr. Pacino. He goes, all right, kid, you're fine. And I'm like, the voice of God, <laughs> right? spoke to me and I'm like okay okay keep it together Dennis and um, you know you always when I when I coach newer actors or I still do extra work Steven depending on the opportunity and what's going on regardless of what you're doing you always have to have an intention because as human beings we might be sitting here in a courtroom scene but what are we thinking about you know why are we here? Who are we? And even as an extra, you have to develop that character. A lot of a lot of casting directors, a lot of a lot of talent managers will tell you, don't put extra on your resume. And I agree with that because a lot of times you might get pigeonholed, and that's all people know you for. But okay, we'll create an intention. Who are you? What are you about? What are you doing here? You know, it's kind of you have to have life meet the movie, meet the cinema and you've got to be present. So thats I I tell that story all the time, and I I have no idea who those people were that got kicked out, but uh, I've never seen them again. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope they're in the business. I hope they learn their lesson. But it's just crazy stuff, man.
2: That is a fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) You know, there can be long hours, as you know, on a set, and that includes the background and the extras. Yeah. Usually they're not oh, just yeah. showing up right before uh, the director yells action, for those unaware mm-hmm. of that. They're usually there sometimes early in the morning all the way until the evening at times.
0: Yeah. And
2: uh, you, you still have to be on your A-game, don't you, though? When, when six, seven, eight hours go by and it's time to finally shoot, you, you've really got to stay focused and, 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 and still give it everything you got, don't you?
0: You know, you have to, you have, to have continuity. Okay, so if I'm smiling, if if I'm walking with a a snap in my step, you know, and we started at 6 a.m., I've got to be aware that I did the same thing at 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. And devil's advocate, we went into golden time. Now, I'm non-union at the time. I don't know left from right. And and people go, yeah, golden time. Well, that's double time. And I had no idea what that even meant. So that was just hysterical, you know. So you're 100% right. And there's one scene of Devil's Advocate where I thought I was going to get cut. I come out of the courtroom scene. I'm the first one coming out of the back door, and I'm I'm mugging the camera, Stephen. I'm walking right into the camera, looking right into the camera, breaking the fourth wall, and I'm thinking this is going to be funny because I ain't going to make it. The editor's going to see it. Who's this nobody? Who's this kid? We're cutting them. I'm in the movie. You see me multiple times in the movie, and for about 30 seconds, I'm just walking into the camera, and then Mr. Pacino, Keanu Reeves, Craig Nelson cut in front of me, and then all hell breaks loose. That just it's a, it's <laughs> It's it was such it was such a great experience and so many memories. It just you know every, every time I'm on set, I always take away something. There's always something to remember. There's always there's always an experience, either building relationships with the with the crew, either building relationships with fellow actors. There's always something to learn and always something to grow from.
2: Absolutely, and there's definitely benefits to uh, being full of attention, so that if an opportunity arrives as a background or extra, you can try to you know be a part of it in a in a bigger way. Without, you know, going against the director's vision or trying to upstage anyone. And uh, thank you for that story. I'll share with you that when I appeared in the television movie Victim of Love, the Shannon Moore story, I was a bartender at a wedding and uh, also a server. And, you know, I would take drinks to different wedding guests. And it was all filmed in the backyard of this beautiful home in Los Angeles. And I noticed the director said, you walk behind the two leads here, at, at you know, approximately at this time, and just walk by. So we did a few rehearsals, and I noticed that uh, the main character was asking the lady what her name was. And she would say, I'm Shannon Moore. And I decided to time it to when she says that that I would be right near her. And guess what? <laughs> the right. final shot, as soon as she says it, there you see me right behind her go by. So that's just an example of just, you know, paying attention and how that can pay off for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, it's, it's called, <laughs> you know, it, you're, you're lucky when opportunity meets preparedness. That's what that is. You create your own luck.
1: Well, I
2: enjoyed being on that production very much, and I know you, it sounds like you enjoyed being on that production big time. That story of Bacino walking onto the set or into the room for filming, you know, doesn't that just really show you the respect that others have towards his talents as an actor? I, I found that to be really just a, a wonderful moment when you described that.
0: It really was amazing because, you know, you... you you get caught up and you're sitting there and you're trying to get in your own space and you don't know what's going on. And literally there's a hush that falls over the crowd. And again, my first everything I'm thinking, what the heck's got, did something happen? What's going on? So you're, you're literally your swivel on your head and you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I know what
1: happened.
0: (laughs) 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 It, it, It comes the goat, you know? So, but that, yeah, that was such a good experience. Well, congratulations
2: yeah. on such a well-done job. Thank you. That had to been very uplifting for you. I would love to ask you, if you don't mind, you know, the director, sure. Taylor Hackford. I, I'm such an admirer yeah. of his abilities as a storyteller and, and his beautiful shots. One of my favorite films, if I have a top 50 or top 100 list, is White Nights that he uh, directed Uh-oh. back in 1985 with... Mikhail sure. Borishnikov and and Gregory Hines and I just wanted to ask any memories of what it was like uh, being directed by Taylor
0: Hackford. So, you know, he's got presence. Okay, he, he, when I say a big bur- burly Viking guy, as far as I'm concerned, he could have been seven foot tall. You know, he, you know, just just a hulking of a man. Again, nice. my first everything, right? So. He's got authority. It, you can tell it's his set. He knows what's going on. Uh, and it, it was just interesting because, again, Stephen, I didn't do any indies before this. I didn't do any shorts before this. This was everything. Okay? So imagine I the analogy I use is imagine going to the gym for your first time. You're walking in for the first time. You lay on the bench press, and you're banging at 225. Like, you've been doing this forever. You're at the pinnacle. Here I am in front of this man that's been there, done that. Here I am surrounded by these actors that I admire, <laughs> that I'm a big fan of. <laughs> so, it, it was, it, it, again, self-talk. Keep your self-talk. Keep your stuff together. You're supposed to be here. You're here for a reason. Enjoy the experience. Just take a deep breath, Dennis. Take a deep breath. And that's what I did. And I just stayed in the moment. But no, Taylor Hatford, definitely a man of authority. Definitely a man that has, you, you can tell it's his set. And um, just, just a, a great actor. I mean, I, I, I hope to work with him sometime again, but, you know, in a different capacity. But it was just, it was so much fun. And, you know, he's a guy, he doesn't put up with much, which mm-hmm. you really shouldn't at that level. You know, right. if, if if you're at that level, you know your job. Do your job, be professional, and yes. uh, uh, he's. Uh, I've got I've got great stuff to say about him. I Love him dearly.
2: Thanks so much for sharing that. I really appreciate that. I would love to go back to your earlier years again, if you don't mind, because I'm very curious sure. about something. You know, as we've laid out, you know, you left one line of um, employment, a, a career to go into an artistic one. And uh, I, I'm very personally inspired by that. And I think right. that that takes a lot of courage when you are in kind of a comfortable situation. Maybe you're making a, <laughs> a, 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 enough income to where you don't have to worry about the bills as much and so on and so forth. Yet you consider and and eventually do walk away to do something that really has a lot of uncertainty, in, in many ways. I'm just curious, though, when you were growing up, did you take drama class in school?
0: So here here's the funny story. I, there's a lot of my friends. Not, there's a, a few of my friends from high school that are down here in Florida. So John Clark, known him since high school. John was part of the drama club. He was part of the AV club, stuff like that. I wanted nothing to do with any of that. I, I really, I wanted nothing to do with any of that. And my my mother used to sing. Mom sang in Carnegie Hall. So now my brother, sister, and I cannot carry a tune, nor do we play any instruments. That's a whole other story. But, <laughs> so um, not that I had the bug, but I guess I had the bug. I've always enjoyed public speaking. I never had the fright of that. And different aspects of my life, Stephen, I've been baptized by fire. Here's a microphone. Go to it.
2: Hmm. So if you had a report in high school, you didn't mind getting up in front of the class and speaking to no, the class.
0: No, I really, I, because, you know, I, we're all in the same situation. Now, I was a shy, tall, skinny kid, but I really didn't care all that much, and I just did it. Um, so even, you know, fast forward to like a professional career. Okay, we, we've got to address the Columbia University alumni. All right, what do we say? We'll go out there and talk. Okay. Give me the mic, bang. I go out there and I talk. So just different aspects of my life, I really feel, have set me up for where I am now. You know, when I look back in questions like that, great question. When I look back, you know, what set me up for where I am? Well, everything that it did, I've been in sales. Okay, we're all in sales in one aspect or another. Yes, I was a technology executive. Yes, I headed up departments. Yes, I headed up a company. Push comes to shove, we're all in sales, okay? Being a salesperson, what does that mean? Well, you, you've got to be able to talk. You've got to be able to communicate. And if you look at the majority, I, I don't know the correct percentage, I dare say 80% of Fortune 500 CEOs, Their degrees, their undergrad degrees are in literature or in communication. It's their graduate degrees that are in certain disciplines, but they know how to communicate, which really separates them from everybody else. Now, I didn't take any drama classes in high school, et cetera, in college. I was, I just did whatever I could to get by. I was that happy-go-lucky kid. I played sports. I wasn't the... You know, overall, captain, jock type of guy. Uh, I played ice hockey. I was on the rowing team. I played some, some street football. I just had a I just had great experiences, you know? I just had a good time. And I, I really came into my own kind of after high school. I really just kind of matured and got into my own. Uh, working in Manhattan at a young age, you need to learn the ways of the world really quick. And... And, and that's, really, that's really what I did. I mean, a lot of people tell me I've got enough experience to actually sit down and put together a manuscript, put together a book. Quite frankly, I'd love to do a movie of the town of Kearney, uh, kind of how and what I went through growing up back in the 80s. I'd love to put together a movie and show the teen angst from uh, a middle-class, gritty, Scotch-Irish town.
2: That sounds fascinating. Very interesting. Uh, I grew up in the 80s, and I can completely connect with so much that you said. Um, now, did cinema, when you look back to that time period, let's sure. say not only a young boy, but a, let's say a teenager, right? Did sure. you ever sure. watch a movie at the theater or at home or a certain show and and kind of just wonder if could that be something I might want to do one day? Or was that just kind of like down the road, like you said, like where you know, you did other it things really before.
0: It was really down the road. I mean, the movies I that see. have really, the movies that have really affected my life. I mean, June, 1983,
1: 84, McLaughlin,
0: MacLachlan, mm-hmm. Dino DeLaurette. Okay. Cause I, I read all those books and, and Denny De, uh, Villeneuve, the 2022 version. Oh my gosh. I've seen it a dozen times. I will give my left pinky or am I left anything to be in Dune too. Please, Mr. Villeneuve, I will pay you whatever you need. You can blow me up in the first five seconds. So, <laughs> Star Wars, prior to you and I talking, I was watching mm. the episode, the new episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Star Wars has affected my life. Mm, me too. In so, many different, in so many different perspectives. Now, Now, being a technologist at one time and looking at movies, I always thought to myself, okay, Technology, uh, industrial like magic. George Lucas's technology company. Technology has to catch up to his vision, and it really has. You know, with the collaboration with Lucas and Disney, I, I'm just, I'm just really thrilled uh, with what's going on. You know, I'm not, I'm not the Canon type of guy. Well, that's not Canon. Now, my son, Dennis the Third, Dennis is all about Canon, and he's, he's caught up with the Obi One series. And he's like, well, that's not right, because this, that, that, that. I go, I "I love you, man. Just enjoy it. Just relax and enjoy it. (laughs) So, the movie Dune, the 80s version, they tried to squeeze too much in 90 minutes. They tried to squeeze book one, book two, book three in 90 minutes. Denny Villeneuve basically scratched maybe the first hundred pages of book one. You know?
1: Wow. So...
0: I, I like the way, you know. I I read the book, so I understood the '80s version. I know the books. I love what they're doing with it with the new iteration of Dune. So movies like that have really affected my life. I, my my ethnicity I'm Irish, Italian, Brazilian. Every time I went over to my grandparents' house, Christmas, Easter, whatever holiday, guess what movie was playing? The Godfather. So, Godfather One, Godfather Two, you know you're you're watching this stuff, and it's cinema, but it's also a certain amount of reality. A lot of this stuff really happened. Mm-hmm. so for for me to get caught up, like when I go out and watch a movie, for me to get caught up in a movie, it's rare. Leanne, my fiance and i we we just went out, we saw Maverick, uh, I guess two weeks ago, maybe maybe three weeks ago. I tell you. Steven, I was caught up in this movie. Caught up in this movie. Nine times out of ten, I'm sitting back and I'm analyzing the entire thing. I'm analyzing the actors and saying, yeah, I would have made a different decision. I'm analyzing the the, the shots. I'm analyzing the entire thing. I'm really not enjoying it. I'm not getting lost in it. Maverick, I was able to get lost in Maverick. Dune, I was able to get lost in Dune. You know, and it's just stuff like that impacts your life. It really impacts your life. Now, hindsight being 2020, I, I, I love The Mandalorian, and I've had different auditions, and you meet certain people. Now, I had an audition for HBO's House of Dragons. Okay? And when I auditioned for that, I actually did a monologue from the movie Dune. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, you know, I'm tying a lot of things together. But, there's a lot of opportunity out there, and, and kind of kind of segue, I'm really excited because there's so much, there's so many new streaming channels, and there's something new coming out every day, and if you watch mm-hmm. what's going on, not everybody is using A-listers every day. Think about it for a second. Game of Thrones, you might have had one or two names, right? Everybody else was relatively brand new. Now, here's, here's the thing. And and not it's not about it's not all about the money, but you know, we do like to we, we do like to be a thriving artist, not a starving artist. The, the the newer actor in Game of Thrones made about five grand an episode. Okay? The named actors made about 20, 25, whatever. After how many seasons, how many episodes, not only are you established, but you have this opportunity and you're walking away as a millionaire anyway. So I, I say that because It it keeps me and a lot of people I know really hopeful that not only are they looking for a name, which is awesome, which is cool, but they're looking for people that have been there, done that. They're looking for people with experience, and you never know, which it all ties back to my mentality of you never know what's going to hit, go out there, do it, work, 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 put your head down, grind, grind, grind. And when you when you put your head up to smell the roses and see the sunshine, okay, enjoy it. But put your head back down.
1: <laughs> Keep grinding.
0: You're not there yet. You're not there yet. So, you know, I know I kind of segued for you. I went over all over the place, but you know, that's kind of that's kind of it's always been my thought process with every aspect of what I do in life.
2: There really is so much opportunity out there these days. I mean. I think perhaps more than ever. Just so many streaming channels are now producing and making their own content. The public really seems to enjoy that. that. There's so much film production. There's even more television networks putting out shows. I'll tell you, it is a very exciting time. And you are spot on about... Uh, The opportunities that are out there, it's not always about the biggest names or even Mm -hmm. the most experienced, but you do have to be prepared, and you do have to um, give it everything you have to have an opportunity, And, and you're definitely an example of that. One of the things I've learned about you, Dennis, that I really identify with and I admire and respect is you have a wonderful perspective of an actor's life. And you have uh, mentioned much of it today, but I'd like to go ahead and bring up a little bit of that. If you could share your thoughts after all of these years and the path that you've taken, uh, what have you learned that stands out to you that an actor must approach his craft and his career with? Because after all... um, this is show business, there is a business side, and the, <laughs> yes. the, 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 the those actors out there that know that it's both, you know, and they mix it together, they often have some of the best results, but what have you learned along the way that you'd like to share with uh, the listeners?
0: Sure. It's funny you even say that, Stephen. A, a good friend of mine, Preston Walden, a uh, big indie director down here in the Tampa area, if Preston said it once, he said it hundreds of times to me, it's show business, not show friends. You know, I, every, you know, once, twice a year, I'll coach a newer actor. And I'll tell, I'll tell the actor, this is a business. Okay. If you were to open up a widget factory, what's a widget? It doesn't matter. If you were to go into business for yourself, what are you going into business for? What's your business plan? What are you looking to accomplish? What do you want to get out of it? If you just want to do some stuff part time, and and feel it around, that's great. But if you want to do this and you want whatever your goal is, whatever your goal is, Stephen, you want the Academy Award, you want to do part-time SAG work, whatever the goal is, you need to have it written down. You need to run it like a business because it is a business. You are a commodity, okay? Now, what are you looking to accomplish in that business and how are you going to work towards it? And maybe, you know, I've got that mentality from the books that I've read, the great mentors that I've had, but you always have to if you invest a dollar, you're gonna get a headshot done. You're you still investing a dollar. What are you gonna get out of that? What's your return on that investment? And that's the most important thing. What are you gonna do every day to push the ball forward? Are you gonna go on go on, you know, websites? Are you gonna look for opportunities? Are you going to network with, uh, with fellow actors? Are you going to reach out to new casting directors? What are you going to do to push the ball f- ball forward? And you've got to work it every day. You know, when you burn the ships behind you, and I, I think you know what I mean by that, when you burn the ships behind you, and this is all that you do, you have a different mentality. Now, you know, I've got, I've got a management team, okay? And when I first picked up my management team, they're like, Dennis, you're busy. You're busy. Who's getting your, all your gigs? And I go, look, 70% of my work comes from me. And they're like, what? I go from my network, from my hustle, from my reaching out, from my emailing, from my pushing the ball forward every day. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that, that's, that's amazing. See, I've never been the guy to sit around and wait. Okay. I've always had a sense of urgency because, Stephen, my goals are bigger than myself. My goals, <laughs> if i it's scary, my goals, okay? But it motivates me. It gets me out of bed every day. It gets me out of bed. It gets me into the gym every day. It gets me, you know, talking to gentlemen like you. It, it, it keeps me motivated. And if you look well, at my you. IMDb... Yeah, I, I, you're welcome I think I've got 20 25 projects in pre-production hmm. so wow you know i I just I I literally the phone's been ringing a lot I've been booking a lot and people are like hey we we saw this we remember you from last year we saw you two years ago hey this guy this guy recommended you you know you get to a point where you where you feed it you feed it you feed it you feed it It's going to manifest. And a lot of people in life stop two feet from gold. They Mm -hmm. stop too early. They they get caught up with rejection. Mm -hmm. You have to get used to the word no. You have to get used to rejection. And if you can't handle that, this is the worst industry for you. You know, when I do auditions, I do a lot of self-tape, of course, with COVID and stuff like that. But I've driven all over the world for an audition, okay, because I'm that hustler. I will run down every fly ball, hit my way, Steven. That's me. I don't expect people to do what I do, but I work hard, and apparently I outwork a lot of people. It is what it is. It's in my DNA. So when I do an audition and I put it out there, I purge it from my mind. I forget it, and I move on, okay? I'll do an audition. I had one uh, just last night. We we did a self taped audition. I do it. I send it out. I wipe my hands of it. I purge it. I leave it to the universe. I leave it to God. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, happens. Knowing, knowing I'm getting closer. Knowing the right people are seeing me. Knowing it's part of the process. I go back to the gym. You go to the gym. It's doing the reps. Unless you're you know, we all want to lose weight. I don't have any weight to lose, thank God. I've never had that issue. But you know, January 1st, why are all the gyms busy? New Year's resolutions, right? And then by February 1st, they're empty again. Unless you're willing to wake up and be disciplined and do the reps, you're not going to achieve it. The auditions, the self tapes, the driving here, the the going through the process. It's a matter of going through the reps. That's how you get good. That's the process. That's the universe. It's not something, you know, I didn't put together this magical formula. What, what do they say? It takes 10,000 hours to master something. Okay, terrific. Just because you mastered something doesn't mean everything's going to gonna gonna fall right in front of you. You still have to do what you have to do. And, and that's what I tell it. And that's I'm you know I'm taking a a long taking on a long ride, but that's what I tell people. I uh, I got a call from a, really a grammar school buddy of mine. His daughter graduated from NYU Tisch, and he said, you know, would you talk to her? Would you would you coach her? Sure, I'll help anybody, Stephen. I'll help anybody. And I I basically explain explained to her. Here's the process. You graduated from a great school. Here's the thing. Now you got to go to the gym. Now I got to start working out. Now I got to go on the auditions. Now I got to do this. Now I got to do that. My mentor. Now I'm a Freemason. My mentor. He's a Mason. Jim Demonic. That's his last name. Demonic. Not my fault. It is what it is. (laughs) Um, He used to teach at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and Sciences on Madison Avenue in New York. Top, top, global, world, number one school. Okay, Uh that's my mentor. That's my mentor, and I remember sitting with Jim, and you know every Friday we get together in Manhattan for a scotch and a cigar, and I I would come in from my tech jobs, you know, and I'd be in a three piece suit. He's like, ah, look at this kid, just came from Central Casting. What a good looking guy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, all right, Jim. So I asked him, (laughs) what do I need to do? He goes, look, if you're gonna go down this path. I'll help you out. And he basically, we got things rocking. We got things rocking right away. I got a headshot done. He put me in touch. I learned how to read commercial copy. He put me in touch. My first commercial audition, Stephen, was for China Airlines, and I booked my first audition. Booked my first audition. That is a rarity.
2: Um, it sure is.
0: But, you know, it it's back to my de- definition of luck. It's when preparedness meets opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a mistake to sit on the couch and have your agent, if you're fortunate enough to, to get an agent first, but to have him or her do all the work for you. Because exactly. you can always create your own opportunities, especially if you have representation, you can practically find the work yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's like with my management team, okay? It's a partnership. Yes, It's a business partnership. You know, just like Hyman Roth, Hyman Roth always made money for his partners, right? Good example, bad example, Godfather. But Hyman Roth always made money for his partners. And if you're going to partner up with me and you're going to be part of, you know, my management team, my production company, you know, whatever, we're going to make money together. Because if you can work half as hard as me, Stephen, half as hard as me, we're going to have fun, We're going to make money and we're going to have a good time. So that's me. Do I, do I look for other people to mirror what I do? No. Do I hope I can provide a good example for people? Yeah. I I hope I can, I can provide a good example. I hope that I can inspire people kind of on my journey. And, um, you know, again, whatever I can do for anybody. And,
1: but it's so generous, we all build,
2: generous of you. Very, very generous.
0: Well, uh, you know, I, again, you know, when when you're blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing. And that's, that's how I look at it, you know?
2: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that this is a wonderful time for me to uh, just sort of switch gears. It's really intertwined um, when you think about it. Uh, as I learned more about you, I was very intrigued by the notion that you consider yourself uh, a self-described method actor. And I thought, I would like to ask you, why did you make that choice? And if someone's (laughs) listening out there, maybe they've heard about method acting and they just don't understand it, how would you also explain that to those folks?
0: Um, So, back to my kind of baptized by fire type of thing. (laughs) I did... uh, I did uh, stage. My first, first everything was I did a showcase. I did uh, Of Mice and Men. I was Lenny. Okay? Now, it's a pretty iconic role. Steinbeck, you know, it's a role that um, that uh, John Malkovich played and a lot of great, great actors that I totally respect and love. So here I am, my first everything. I'm, I'm thrown right into the fire. would drive home from Manhattan after a performance and I'm crying and I'm depressed Mm. and I I feel I feel beaten up now if you if you know the story you know Lenny Lenny's handicapped okay Lenny is accepted rejected shunned uh misunderstood a gentle gentle giant Gary Sinise is the only guy you know the character the actor to keep uh, to keep Lenny straight and protect Lenny, et cetera, et cetera. So here I am driving home, and Stephen, I am crying. I'm depressed. Now I still have a full time job, so I've got to go to my job the next day. Try to try to do the best I can mm. and get over it. Well, after three performances, now I'm contracted, so I'm I'm respecting. I'm gonna I'm gonna fulfill my contract. But I call Jim Demonic. I'm like Jim, I quit. He goes, What are you talking about? He goes, I can't do this, Jim. I am depressed. I am hurting. I am I am losing weight. I, I this is this sucks, man. This isn't fun. He goes, Well, Dennis, obviously you're a massive actor. And I'm like, Jim, I don't know what that means, but I'm out. And I literally quit for two weeks before the China Airlines audition. And I was able to sit back with him and analyze it. I embody the character i embody the character i read the word i internalize the word and i'm able to bring my emotion through the character now when you think of method actors pacino is a method actor uh kenneth branell uh hamlet right he's a method actor he's a master in
2: himself yes.
0: uh there's there's so many other method actors now i'm not going to tell you i studied meisner because I did it. I've taken two courses my entire career. I, I believe the best course is being on set. The best course is going to mm-hmm. an audition um, and, and doing the monologues and doing, doing, your, doing your reps. Yes. So, you know, self-described method actor, because someone I respect highly, Jim Demonic, said, well, obviously you're a method actor without going through his curriculum and stuff like that. Now, if you look mm-hmm. at my body of work, and I think I've got a quote somewhere where I'm always looking for characters. I'm always looking for characters that are broken. Uh, <laughs> I say that because there's a, there's enough meat in the character where when mm-hmm. I break it down for myself and I break it down for the director, the director's nine, time out, nine times out of ten like, wow, dude, that was amazing. Because I, I go through, my process is I read a script page to page, you know, one to, one to the end, uh, by mm-hmm. 12 different times. And then I'll flip the, 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 script over. And then I start describing myself who, what, where, when, and why, what am I all about? What's my intention? Uh, what's my, what, what's my click? What's my issue? And I really get into some major character development. So when I'm on, when I'm at a table read or I'm on the phone and I'm, I'm, walking, walking through it with a director. Uh, they're usually kind of amazed at the character development that I've already done. Now you don't worry about getting off books. You don't worry about the words. You don't worry about studying it. That's just part of the process. Worry about internalizing the words and portraying the character the way it's meant to be. And that only comes from doing the work that only comes from doing the work. Mm-hmm. There's there's no way around it. You know, the great Tom Hanks says, there's there's a few things you need to do. You need to show up early because if you're on time, you're late. You need to be off book and need to bring 10 plus different ideas of that character for, for the director to see. The director can always take you down, can always take you back, can always mold you into what they want, but unless you bring them something, they, they don't know where to start. So, that's what I've developed in myself um, over the years. I've got mm-hmm. a movie out. It's a short. Guess we did it. I guess we're going on six months now. Well, there's actually there's a, there's a few things out on Amazon Amazon Prime. I've got Unlawful Duties. We've got about two million views. Okay, that's a short. We're going to turn that into a uh, into a feature uh, either this year or next year. I've got a movie out called Chance. It's one of the darkest pieces I've done in a long while. It's dark, yet it's very redemptive. I think it's on my YouTube channel. And, you know, people are like, wow, how could you go there? Look, I've, I have had a very good upbringing. You know, I've got family dynamics like every other family that's out there, you know, we're not the Brady Bunch, <laughs> we're not Pollyanna. But, you know, how do I channel this dark aspect of me? I don't know, man, but I can go there. And mm-hmm. it takes me a while to get out of it. When you, of, when you think of Method actors, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. Robin Williams, rest in peace. Heath, Heath Ledger, rest in peace, right? Yes. I, I, I'm not a big drinker. Leanne and I are going out for dinner tomorrow night. We'll have a bottle of red. I like a scotch every now and again. My vice is the gym. My vice is picking up and putting down weights. My vice is hitting the pool, swimming. My vice is hitting my bike, you know, and, and out there road cycling. So that's my vice. Now I might come home at two o'clock in the morning and I'm wired. I gotta walk, I gotta go run around the town. So that's that's <laughs> how I'm able to kind of shake it off. But unless I unless I knew that up front, do that did that work, I wouldn't have known what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known how to get into it, how to channel it, and how to get out of it. The biggest thing is getting out of it.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, I really appreciate you sharing all of that insight. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, My pleasure. Uh, and, and like I said, it's one of the things that I admired about you was your dedication and your sincere... Um, interest in acting and you know it's um it's it it mirrors my own and i think we both can agree that one of the most exciting and exhilarating uh, things an actor can experience is when they actually transforms themselves into another person and experience empathy or a viewpoint that may not necessarily be of their own and, and that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. So thank you for sharing that very much, Dennis. I would like oh, yeah. to ask you about another director. I mean, how could I not? And also your own experience <laughs> in uh, a film that also featured um, Al Pacino once again and, and an extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary performance as Jimmy Hoffa uh the whole film was like going on such an emotional journey. I, I love films that do that. And that is The Irishman. Uh, what yes. was it like to be directed by uh, one of my favorite directors, certainly on the very top of the list, Martin Scorsese? And also, what was your own experience on the film like?
0: So I was, uh, I was in, in a, a scene in Miami uh, circa 1950. So I think we've got a picture up on my IMDb. So I'm really channeling my grandfather, if you would. You know, I've got, I'm wearing the pants up to my belly button, wearing (laughs) the fedora shirt, you know, wearing the button down sweater. You know, I I have an affinity towards towards the 1890s New York. I've got an affinity towards the 1950s. I just, Mm. maybe I had past lives. I have no idea.
2: Maybe you did.
0: But, you know, honestly, that's a whole nother segment, a whole nother show, right? <laughs> but um, so I was—I was at this Victorian hotel, and I was a uh, union delegate. So I, my my scene wound up being cut, but be that as it may, I I pull up in this not a Studebaker. It was such a beautiful now cars back in the day, Stephen. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. they were works of art. They were works of art. Now I drive a Mercedes, I love it, but stuff like that. They were tanks and they were works of art. So I'm I'm driven into this into this driveway, into this beautiful Victorian hotel, and this car had crash doors. And I come out, somebody opens it, the car is iconic. I come out, I survey the area, I look at the camera, I look around. Now we had about two hundred extras that day. I put my fedora on. And I walk into the hotel. Now I addressed the union delegation back in the day. You know, I had my lines and stuff like that. I don't think I made it in, in the movie, but still, it's just you know, you've got the first ad, the second ad. You've got these these iconic people. That it was such a great it was such a great experience. Whenever I do anything, I'm always looking to build relationships because you never know who's thinking about what. There hasn't been a time that's gone by that I've been on set that the first A D, the second A D, the the cinematographers come up to me, Hey man, you know, I really want to talk about a, a different project that I've got going on, et cetera, et cetera. I really like your look. I like and I'm like, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Can we let's talk little for rest? Oh, without a doubt. You know, so they're professional. I tell you that because regardless of who is directing it, regardless of of who you're with, it's all about relations. I make sure I'm good with the PAs. I make sure I'm good with the writers. I make sure I'm good with, with with, sound, with makeup, with everybody, because it takes an army. It takes an army to make a movie. And, you know, I, I learned this early in my corporate career. You know, you've got to be nice to everybody because they can they can affect your life. So it is, it's It's amazing working with such iconic people and learning and growing. It's the teams that they have around them, too. I did a Woody Allen movie back in the day, uh, Celebrity. I was, uh, I was working with Kenneth Brannell, Charlize Theron. Uh, i trying to remember who else has in that movie. But, you know, Woody Allen keeps the same team with him for the last 25, 30 years. The same DP, the same first AD, you know, the the same production team, stuff like that. Why is that? Because when you develop such synergies and you can do the Vulcan mind melt, right? You're all on the same page. Life is that much easier. And and that's really what it comes down to. Yes. You've got, you've got the person at the helm. It's also about the team that they have around them. Um, And I, I've, I've never walked away with a bad experience on really any set that I've been on. I've always learned something, and I've always come away with something positive.
2: Good to hear. And you know what? We've discussed several iconic folks that we admire and respect very much. But Dennis, I'm you know you were kind of hinting at this. It's not just the big names. It's people who are just getting started, or maybe people who. Have a lot under their belt, but you just never heard of them before necessarily. Meeting all kinds of people just makes uh, being on a set or on stage or anything like that just so meaningful, wouldn't you say?
0: You know, without a doubt. Now, I take nothing away from the Mr. Scorsese's and the Mr. Hackfords and and, and Woody Allen and and stuff like that. I certainly take nothing away from their from their from their genius alone. It's a matter of of the team that you surround yourself with uh, mm-hmm. that really that really enables you know you to get the job done and to do what you've got to do. You know, everybody brings the best out of everybody. Um, if I'm able to help someone and take their energy and their performance to the next level, the people do that for me time and time again, and it's such a Symbiotic relationship. If I can ever, I think that's the first time I've used that talking about acting and movie making. Oh, wow! But it, it, it it really it really is because you know, first off, you're on set. Nine, you know, ninety nine point nine percent, you're vulnerable. Regardless of the character that, that you're doing, you're exposing yourself and your vulnerability when you're an actor. So I make sure I feel very, very comfortable with everybody I'm working with from the. From the PA all the way up to the to the producers, directors, and everybody else. Because how can I be vulnerable if I don't feel comfortable?
2: That, Absolutely. That me, that's, and it that's sounds like Dennis, process. you have a, a fantastic team surrounding you. So if any of those folks are listening, um, you know, I, I am totally convinced that you're making a positive impact on Dennis. As well, and I would love to ask you about a project that you were involved with, Dennis. That uh, we were talking about briefly off the air, because I was so excited to learn that it's just getting so much recognition. I believe through film festivals and whatnot. Um, would you go ahead and share some of that right now?
0: Sure, sure. I did a I did a western. I guess uh, I guess we're going on two years now. Called uh, Killer Miller. And uh, it was so much fun. I um, R.J. Hendricks, uh, writer producer. Uh, he's written a bunch of Western novels. Now, it's like anything else, you've watched Tombstone, you've seen Deadwood, and you know Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. When do you have an opportunity? So I remember getting a script, and I'm reading the script, and and I told him, I go, I don't know if this was Blade Runner 2052. Or if this, like, this is like Tombstone 1892. But hmm. he he liked, he liked the timber in my voice. He liked how I delivered the lines. He liked my look. Now, I grew my hair out. It took me about a year to grow it. It was down to my shoulders. Um, I'm Irish, Italian, Brazilian, so the beard took all of two weeks.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I, I was able to, to get there. Now, RJ calls me up and goes, you know how to ride a horse, right? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. I know how to ride a horse. When do you need me on set? Oh, we're going to do this in about six months. <sighs> Thank you, God. Okay, so now I'm going to go <laughs> learn how to ride a horse. And it, I, I Yeah, what if he would have said face. tomorrow
2: morning at 7 a.m.?
0: <laughs> I fake it. Fake it to make it, man. Now, if he would have said, if he would have said, I need you to skydive tomorrow, I would say, hey man, I'm booked. I'm booked for the next uh, three months. You know, uh, I uh, really yeah. booked up. Sorry, that might know, be one exception. But, uh, you know, but uh, I was able to get that done, and I just had so much fun. You know, yeah. we the movie RJ submitted it to a ton of different film festivals. At last count, I think we won seven best films. I was able to garner three best actors. We started in Europe. We went all through Europe, and then we came across the states. And uh, I'm not sure where it is right now. I've kind of lost count. Uh, but it was just such a great experience. He wants to make a few more, and uh, I told him, "I go, look, I'm committed. You want me to be your killer Miller? Uh, I'm committed to you and whatever you need, whatever you need me to do." So that's kind of where that yeah. is right now. And uh, again, we had such a great crew. Yeah. I had such a great horse, and it was just so much fun, man. It just.
2: Well, congratulations on all that positive feedback.
0: Thank you. Thank you. you. It means a lot. It means a lot when you're, you know, again, I do something, I move on from it, and it means a lot when people truly, truly enjoy it, you know? It really does.
2: Well, sure thing. Well, Dennis, I have to tell you that. I've enjoyed every moment speaking with you. I just uh, really hope that you will come back and visit me because I feel like there's uh, much more we can discuss and all sorts of topics and uh, just keep learning more about your career. Um, I would like to uh, ask you if you'd like to go ahead and let folks know how they could uh, find you on in the social media world out there.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on every aspect. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm new to TikTok. Please, I, I definitely, I'll, I'm new to TikTok. My social media manager says I need to build that. <laughs>
2: wow. You know, well, you I'm beat on me Twitter. on that one, but I have been thinking about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, because I, I, I'm posting every day anyway. He's like, dude, you might as well just do it over there, too. You know, <laughs> please look for me. Dennis Mallon, M-A-L-L-E-N, um, Instagram, it's Dennis Mallon, I-T-S Dennis Mallon, Twitter, Dennis Mallon, TikTok, it's Dennis Mallon, and uh, again, Stephen, as I said from the onset, if I can help anybody with anything, anything at all, I'll be more than happy to. Just reach out to me, and I promise I'll, I'll get back to you and do the best I can to help you help everybody out.
2: No, Thank you, Dennis. Uh, th- that is just wonderful. And um, I think that's, like I mentioned before, very generous. I, and I'd like to conclude by uh, a thought, so to speak, or, you know, a perspective uh, is I heard you once discuss, and I think actually several times, so I thought it was kind of an ongoing theme with you, that, that you are in one way or another enjoying the ride. Uh, yes, we discussed uh, 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 all of the responsibilities and challenges and obstacles of of being an actor or pretty much anything in life, so to speak. But when it comes to acting, you know, there's a lot to, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, to, to be involved with and so to speak. But, but it's also important to also, you know, enjoy the ride, isn't it?
0: You know, the great Tom Hanks did a roundtable uh, with a bunch of actors. I think it's up on YouTube. And his theme was "This too shall pass," <laughs> and, and he basically said, "Hey, you think you're riding high? You think the world's falling in place for you? Guess what? This too shall pass." He goes, "You think the world? You think the world's crashing around you? The walls are caving in? Guess what? This too shall pass." So, <laughs> yeah, if someone at that level of that caliber yes. is that grounded. Is that grounded? Who am I not to be? So,
2: yes. If things go you know, wrong or not the way we planned, you know that is a great uh, way to look at things because guess what? You know what? It's okay. Just pick yourself up. Tomorrow's another day. It, it, it's going to be all right. Just keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. I I said something about a month ago. I, I think I did. I did a live, and um, I lost. Like I was. Ta- I was. Uh, I was casting something. And then at the last minute, I was I was dropped, and I was like, "Oh, well, that kind of hurts," because I was excited and I was looking forward to it. But you know, I had my my five second pity party, and then the same day, I got cast in two other things. So
2: <laughs> there you go. Never
0: get never get too high, never get too low. It's not as good as it looks. It's not as bad as it seems. This too shall pass.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Dennis, this has been so much fun and informative. Thank you for your time, and um, I hope you enjoyed being a guest here on Hollywood and Beyond because I enjoyed uh, having you on as my special guest today.
0: Well, Steve, it's been my pleasure, and I I appreciate your time. And you know, I hope it didn't drone on too too long with things, but I, I appreciate it. You know, if I can ever help you with anything or. You know, be a guest again or a guest on anyone's show. I'll be more than happy to. And if I can help you with anything, sir, please feel free to just reach out. We'll uh, I'll help you from there. We'll go from there, you know. Hollywood and Beyond Podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening.